0: On this episode of AvTalk, Indonesian investigators release a preliminary report on Lion Air 610. Anchorage gets shaken up, Wow Air lives to fly another day, and we travel to Stockholm for some pickled herring and Australian pronunciation. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of AvTalk. I am Ian Pechnik, joined literally this time by Jason Benowitz. Hello and where are we? we're in Stockholm. Wow. How about that? Yeah, weird. What? So, podcast episode 46, our once yearly podcast from Stockholm. We're here sitting once again in the Charitably Economy, the conference, economy room. conference Room. Charitably described as a conference room. Um, but it has windows. The so two, two mean, windows. Th- yeah. This is this
1: is different than my normal podcast uh, two windows or oh, a TV on the floor, some carpet that's it's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where we are. Yeah. Let's talk about how we got here.
0: Okay. Which was by an airplane. Yes. Obviously. It generally. I happens mean, that way. Hard to cross the ocean quickly without a boat. I took a steamship. You did. Yeah, no, go on. No. I no. So your flight was much more interesting. I flew from Chicago to Stockholm. It was a little bumpy and fine and that's it. But you Wait, had a much was more- was my flight interesting? Well, your flight wasn't interesting necessarily, but but your
1: day the was day interesting. Was, I was going to say the flight was pretty, so you, pretty routine. You went to two airports and flew out of one. I did. I did not make a mistake. I didn't go to the wrong airport. <laughs> that would be terrible. Yeah, that would Especially be, in New York. That yeah, would be really bad because- is very difficult to get between the airports. My day actually started at LaGuardia, the new LaGuardia. The first portion of the new central terminal opened up last Saturday. A portion of the new terminal, at least it's the first wing of the new building, but only part of it opened because they still have to demolish some of the old LaGuardia before they can get aircraft into a portion of the new bit. But so far... All of Southwest, all of Air Canada, and three gates for American Eagle have opened up. And if you've ever been to LaGuardia before, you know how downright awful it can be. This new section is completely the opposite of what was there previously. And it's it's beautiful, but it looks like any other airport you might find in a civilized country, which is good. I spoke to the CEO of the private development group who's building the terminal, and basically their inspiration was not basically it was literally whatever the old Laguardia features do the exact opposite, and that designed fundamentals really really came through, and it's quite nice. Yeah, the pictures that you posted they looked nice. Yeah, it's weird, right? I didn't.
0: I thought maybe you would gotten lost and gone to a different airport or, or something like that. But it, it's nice to see that this thing is finally coming. To fruition after what uh, sixty,
1: seventy years of
0: planning and construction.
1: Many it feels many, like many decades. So the first section of the the new terminals opened. It includes not sure how many gates it is. I think it's thirty five. I might have that number completely wrong, but it's the first section of the terminal. They still have to complete the main headhouse which is the entry point where you have security and shops and restaurants which will actually connect to the new concourses via bridges which will go over the taxiway, which is a very rare thing in the U.S. I believe Denver has that. That might be the only other airport in the U.S. And Once that is completed, they still have another mirror image of the terminals they just opened to open, which will feature all of American Air's operations and whoever else is in the central terminal. I don't know who what the final plan is, whether JetBlue intends to come back from uh, the Marine Air Terminal, but that should be done, I believe, in 2022, completely done. And that's not including Delta's little fiefdom in Terminal C and D, along with Spirit. So it's coming along, but the first real chunk of LaGuardia is finally open and it's kind of weird you you enter through the existing LaGuardia you go through security in the existing dump of a terminal you go through a few corridors and all of a sudden you're in this brand new gleaming beautiful building and people just wander around like where the hell am I this isn't LaGuardia because <laughs> it just kind of opened one day and the right, sign right. pointing to the new part of the terminal is literally a sticker written in sharpie So, you'd never know it was there. And it's quite a dramatic difference. Well, and then you made it across town. Yeah, ever so slow. To Newark. It took a, a bus, a train, a train, and a monorail to get to Newark. And then I flew SAS over here to Stockholm, a very uneventful flight. So, let's get into some
0: of the news that happened this week. And one of the big things was the preliminary report, the preliminary factual report for the Lion Air crash that came out and gave us the flight data recorder information, but also basically confirmed
1: what we already knew and what had already been reported. Right. So it was basically mirroring what we already knew, that there was a struggle from basically the moment they had taken off, that they didn't draw any conclusions, obviously, but it it pretty much causally confirmed that the, the MCAS system was giving them a fight for the entire flight.
0: Right and the preliminary report also addressed the previous flight. Right. So that it kind of gave a bit more of a narrative than than we had had before regarding what happened on the previous flight and some of the corrective actions that were taken after that flight but before
1: the flight 610. Right. One of which was stating that the angle of attack sensor that really spurred this whole incident was not replaced between the flights which is a bit concerning. But that one piece of, uh, of instrumentation is, is the one piece of technology that basically triggered this whole event and that was not replaced while the aircraft was on the
0: ground. Right. The pitot sensors were cleaned. There was another electrical component that was cleaned and, and refitted, but the, the actual sensor itself was, not,
1: right. it was not replaced. Potentially because they just didn't know it needed to be replaced. Uh, John Ostrower, who we had on the last podcast, put out a tweet um, saying basically Lion Air did not take a lot of the optional features that the the 7.3 Max has available, like the HUD, the heads up display, or one particularly interesting item is that they did not take the option, for some reason this is an option, of the warning display to indicate that there is an angle of attack sensor disagreement. So basically, they could have, there are multiple angle of attack sensors, but if one disagrees with the other, this optional piece of equipment would tell you straight up that there is a disagreement. Lion Air did not have that option. So it's possible that they may just not have known that the angle of attack sensor was need, even needed to be replaced.
0: So th- this strikes me as a bit of an oddity in that, or not an oddity, but it strikes me as odd that. That would be an optional piece of yeah, equipment.
1: I think that's going to be – at least I would make it a particular focus if I were doing an investigation and, and why is any piece of rudimentary safety equipment like that an option? It doesn't even seem like safety equipment. It just seems like basic diagnostic equipment. Why would that be an option? It, it's not like a HUD where it's basically a. – it is a safety element but it's also an operational thing. It, it seems to me like this is a. I'm not a technician. I'm not an engineer. I'm not even a pilot. But it seems to me like this. If you have one piece of instrumentation that's disagreeing with other pieces of instrumentation that do the same thing, why would that not be displayed to you immediately? Yeah, it seems
0: like something that would be very good to to have, regardless of you know what type of flying you were doing. And and the HUD I can see being an you know, option piece of equipment. It hasn't. Hasn't always been there, but if you're installing equipment that could disagree with other equipment, it would be good to know that that's a possibility. And and when it's happening, it would be good to have that information right. readily available to the pilots. But that definitely something that I would be interested to know why that was an optional piece of equipment. But the preliminary report out, they're they're still searching for the cockpit voice recorder.
1: So they, we're, we're approaching uh, thirty days, I guess, and w- as we know with. Uh, the Malaysian incident a while back that once you go past 30 days, the pingers on those uh, recorders stop pinging or the, they're expected to last 30 days, the battery on those. and Once those go dead, it's very unlikely that you'll actually find them.
0: Yeah. So Hopefully that happens quickly and they do find those. Elsewhere in Alaska this week, there was quite the earthquake. There was a rumble. Yeah, and it didn't close the Anchorage airport, but it turned one of the busiest cargo airports in the world into an uncontrolled airfield for quite some
1: time. Yeah, this happened early morning in Anchorage. I think it was about 8.30 in the morning, Yeah, but there's still quite a bit of of cargo and just a bit of passenger operations at that hour, and as the earthquake struck, I believe a FedEx 777 was on short final. And you can hear the controller get on the radio during the earthquake and basically yell out loud, FedEx, go around, go around. And it was kind of unexpected and they were very, very distressed. And you can hear the FedEx pilot go, was that for us? What's going on here? And they got back on the radio and it said, FedEx, go around. And um, you can kind of hear the concern in the voice of the controllers because they're in the middle of a a magnitude 7 earthquake and they're... They're giving instructions to these flights. It was quite dramatic.
0: Yeah, they evacuated the tower, and they eventually were the the tower controllers made it to a vehicle on the airfield and, and were issuing instructions from the vehicle. But that was just for landing and, and takeoff, and they were basically aircraft were taxiing on their own. Right, uh, which is not you know it, it's a very common occurrence. Uncontrolled airfields are all around, and and they know procedures for these things. It was just. It was interesting to see at a very large and busy airport where, you know, a
1: vast majority of the traffic is heavy. Exactly. And in the time between the uh, tower controllers were able to get, evacuate the tower into the vehicle, the airfield was operating without control at all. But the TRACON center and approach control was operating. So they were giving instructions to aircraft to line up for final and what approach they would use. And at that point the pilots on the tower frequency were communicating with each other They were saying, we're on final, we've landed, we've exited the runway, we're taxiing to our ramp. And it was just really odd to to hear these pilots of 747-8 freighters and triple seven freighters all operate without any air traffic control. It's just something that really doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, surprising to to listen to. But also Kind of a reminder of what a professional everyone is, right? right? Because when these things these type of things happen, they, they happen unexpectedly, and you have to act quickly. And everyone did a marvelous job of, you know, keeping the airport running
1: in the middle of a very strong earthquake. Yeah, there, there was almost no gap in uh, uh in, at least in inbound operations. There was one go around. Uh, some aircraft were put in a hold, and eventually they sorted it out and. Only a couple of minutes later, they all streamed in after they did a runway inspection to make sure that the earthquake did not put a giant hole in the runway. A very important inspection. Yes, because lots of holes were put in many roads, but thankfully not the runways. That would have created a much worse situation as actually the earthquake was centered right near the airport. But thankfully, there was no no damage to the infrastructure there and they were able to get up and running very quickly.
0: Speaking of damaged infrastructure, a frontier plane damaged its infrastructure this week but successfully landed after losing a cowling, which is not the first
1: time this has happened. Or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the 10th, or the 20th. Yeah. This is a thing with A320s. More or less, if you don't completely properly latch the cowling, which is the engine covering or casing of uh, the A320 engines, they will have a tendency to open up in flight and when you suddenly Open up the cover of an engine when you're going several hundred miles per hour, the wind kind of takes over and either rips it off or partially deforms it. But this was a particularly bad case because it seemed like the thrust reversers were also somehow involved in this, and it looked like there was quite a bit more damage than usual. But they were able to turn around and just land at Vegas. And Frontier gave something out to passengers that was quite the surprise making up for it. You know what they got? They got a free trip for the next year to anywhere Frontier flies
0: and lifetime small animal figurines. No, they got a free breakfast.
1: Voucher. Well, that was nice of them. Yeah, free breakfast. Sure, your engine tried disintegrating itself, but here's free you're breakfast. Free breakfast, yeah. In Vegas. In Vegas. So maybe it was a buffet. Maybe it was a buffet at the wind. I don't know. That right. would be delicious, but I have a feeling it was uh, not. Some sort of the uh, McDonald's yeah, uh, Las Vegas. But it was okay. They, were, they landed safely. They were back on their way, but yeah. This is a thing and I think you brought up an airworthiness directive from like 1990 or something like that. Yeah, the, in 2000. 2000.
0: They had been talking about since 1992 and it occurred something like eight or nine times. And so, that was 18 years ago.
1: Yeah. So, how many times has it happened since then? They've made some changes to the uh, latch design to give you a visual indication that it is properly locked, but it doesn't always work, apparently. So, we're recording on Tuesday, December
0: 4th, and WOW Air, let's check, they still exist
1: today. They do. This podcast will come out on Friday. They might not. They might not. Right. So, WowWare, the little Icelandic purple plane company. That's actually their formal. A purple plane organization. The the purple plane company. Yes. yes. They ran out of money, basically. It turns out when you operate with super, super cheap fares um, and you operate to weird cities and you kind of just keep adding and then canceling routes, you might not make a lot of money they were on the verge of shutting down a couple weeks ago and Icelandair swooped in and said, okay, we'll buy you out, we'll take this off your hands. But their financial situation turned out to be a lot worse than expected due to higher fuel costs. Primera Air was actually um, noted in in their letter to bondholders and saying the, the bust of Primera Air put more focus on low cost airlines. And we took a, a detrimental hit up to our bottom line, so that deal was put off. But at the seemingly at the last minute, Indigo Partners swooped in and said, "Okay, we'll we'll throw some money at your way your way." And Indigo Partners is not Indigo the airline in India, but the group that owns Frontier and JetSmart in Jet, Chile,
0: uh, right. Wizz Air in Hungary, and. A fourth airline. The the
1: group that placed, I believe, the largest single aircraft order. Yeah, the A320. At Farnborough this past summer. So that's all contingent on due diligence. So even that, they may determine in a few weeks, actually, we don't want to do this. But if you are booked on a WOW Air flight, keep a very close eye on their operations. Don't be like the people who... Uh, showed up for a Primera air flight weeks after they went out of business. Yeah, that was rough. The airline doesn't exist anymore. I would be wary of booking a Wow Air flight and some people have said, well, don't tell people that because that will only damage their um, financial situation even worse if people avoid booking Wow Air, but – My opinion is I don't care about the future of Wow Air, I would care about the people who book an airline that may not exist by the time they fly six months from now. So you do you basically, if you feel like you want to fly Wow Air because you see a really good deal, keep in mind that that airline may not exist when you're looking to fly, which for very low fares might just be fine. You'll get credited back by your credit card if you use a credit card, but a lot of people might not know that, and they'll book with a debit card. And basically, when airline goes bust, you're you're not going to get that money back unless your credit card reimburses you. So, like I said, take the risk if you want, but I wouldn't personally.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other airline is uh, Volaris. Yeah, the right the, the Mexican low cost yes. carrier so the four airlines in the fold and, and possibly a fifth to become wow and the Dubai air show is a uh, 430 airbus aircraft uh, 273 neos a320 NEOs and 157 A321 NEOs. So a very large order. And and some of those, who knows, could possibly be added to, to WoW if all things work out for them. Right. WoW last week stored, saying 20% of their fleet sounds like a, a big number, but it, it was four planes. Right. Uh, so that shows you how large the WoW fleet is at the moment, I, I think. But they, they stored uh, two
1: A330s. Uh, Of which they only had three to begin with, right? which means their planned operations with A330s is not going to work. You can't serve India and LA with one A330. That's not going to work. Well, there's that. Yeah. So Uh, they're going to have some operational challenges, let's say. And then the other two were two older A320s. Right. Which you might expect them to retire in due course anyway. But the A330s being retired are not a great sign, especially since they're an A330neo customer. And I believe one of their planes is already painted on the flight line ready to be delivered. Yeah. I would expect that to not happen. So that puts
0: Airbus in a a bit of a interesting bind. I mean, especially after... Well, Airbus less so than, than Boeing with Primera because right. they had already delivered the NEOs
1: and those were to lessers and, and— Right. And those and were reclaimed and will end up— Someone already took the—oh, that's right. It's uh, Alitalia yeah. is taking the Primera A321 NEOs because why not? I'm, yeah. Yeah. Why, why not? Why not?
0: So that that's an interesting yeah that the only thing I can say is why not why not because Alitalia <laughs> because Alitalia one bankrupt because Alitalia is a I feel like
1: that should be because Alitalia yeah that's why, their, why their did, new tag their new advertising tagline why did they just design and release new uniforms at Alitalia because Alitalia exactly nobody asked for it nobody needs it but because Alitalia, Alitalia. yep so
0: we'll see what wow ends up being or becoming or ceases to be ceases to be but it will you know stay up to date i the, the, the interesting thing about that is is the, the fate of wow started affecting the icelandic economy because of the the tourism the importance of tourism to the icelandic economy if one of the airlines goes away of the really two that are serving them i mean what
1: what detriment does that have? I mean, it can't be good, but Iceland is also, in my opinion, overwhelmed by the tourism boom and can't really handle it to begin with. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's right-sizing their tourism industry. The airport is incredibly overcapacity and overwhelmed. Um, they've basically turned hallways into gatehold areas and, and gate areas. It's unsustainable. So maybe this is just- When has anything being unsustainable ever stopped anyone? That's right, until they just run out of money and it becomes sustainable. There you go. Maybe this is just natural. Maybe there there just isn't room in the Iceland market for multiple low-cost carriers. That Mm. is an interesting point. Isn't it? mm -hmm. Let's move away
0: from WoW and let's move towards, shall we say France? We Last week Air France released a video that they had shot like a year. A year before. They, they shot this video in like December of the, 2017. The beginning of December of 2017 and it took them a year to put it together. And I don't begrudge them that year because it's a beautiful video. It is
1: but like it's not highly edited in any way. I don't know what took so long but I, I don't know. I'm glad it was released. So they, they said they shot it in, in 8K which is uh, a bit overkill. Then they released it to Twitter, which must be like 144i or yeah. something awful. And then they eventually uploaded it to YouTube in 1080p, which is not even 4K. So, I'm not sure what they were what they're doing here. Maybe they're going to broadcast it on the side of a building or something. Uh, I don't know. But they were very insistent saying, "Yeah, we shot this in beautiful 8K. Here it is in regular HD." Yeah. Oh, okay,
0: all right. I mean, it still looks great, but yeah. I, I don't. I would love to see the 8K... Ver- well, I can't see the 8K. I, I, don't, I don't
1: have it to watch. What do what you, you... Can you even play with the 8K? I mean... A movie theater? How much would that cost? Yeah, rent out a movie theater and use their... Take it to the IMAX DLP or something system? like that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but they, the 4K thing would be cool to see. Yeah. I mean, my laptop also can't do that. But they actually... They didn't rent an aircraft that was already used for air-to-air photography. They kind of built their own, didn't they?
0: Well, it was the... The... They kind of came to, to TBM and said we would like to do this, and they were like, "Sure, let's, sure, why not let's do that?" Yeah. Um, so, it, Airborne Films is the the outfit that that actually did the filming. Um. The the video of the seven eight seven that they kind of cut together and set to music and everything that's that's nice, right? But the behind the scenes the behind stuff the, the scenes video is, is I mean it's two minutes versus I think fourteen
1: minutes yeah. of behind the scenes footage. It's just fantastic to watch, right? So it's not like they contacted a company that does this typically. They they did their own custom kit, which was pretty cool. Well, I mean the, the company does it typically, but they
0: just decided to go all out for, right. for this particular this particular flight. And it was their fifth 787. I and think they're up to seven. They now. just they yeah. just took their seventh, yeah. And with their seventh, they did this cool 360. View the flight deck. Yeah. So who knows what happens when they take the next one? Maybe we'll be able to go inside the engines. We'll or find out in a year or two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just thought it was really funny that we, I was trying to find the the photo flight, and I was scrolling, scrolling. I'm like, it, it it's this, never happened. Was the CGI? Did they this, they never flew this flight? And then I went all the way back to the day after the plane was delivered. Bizarre. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I guess. Okay. Why not? <laughs> all right. Because I'm Italian. Because Air France. Because Air France. Because Air France. Same deal, yeah, right? Same thing, really. So let's stay with Air France for a little bit. And, and they've got a new CEO. Yes. Uh, and ben Smith came
1: from uh, Air Canada, I believe? Uh, yeah. And yes. he's closing down the rooftop bar. Yeah. he's uh, Well, last call. It, it's not closed. Last call. It's not closed the yet. They, they've declared last call. But it's it's not a done deal. He basically came in and he's looking to cut costs and said, what the hell is this June nonsense? Well, nobody really knows. But it's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. It's a rooftop bar. It's not an airline. But they're looking to close down June because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the marketing never made sense. No, the marketing is ridiculous. And I think that's a a point of it that if you're going to, Operate a sub-brand with, with its own identity and brand. It needs to make sense. It needs to have a reason. This did not. Marketing, pandering towards millennials in this case was just outright stupid because it, it's not like it operated to millennial destinations or was on top of Air France operations. No, if you flew to Barcelona, you were on a June flight. If you oh, If you took an Air France flight to Cape Town, you were on a June flight. It's not like you could go out of your way and select... I want to fly June to X Y Z. No, it's if you flew Air France, you maybe you ended up on June. I don't know. Right. It didn't make any sense, and their new CEO agrees and is looking to shut that down. Yeah, that's what always got me, and and we've talked about this before. But
0: it wasn't all of the marketing didn't make any sense for the operational consideration. Right. It, It wasn't like you got to choose based on the marketing. June shows you. Well, exactly. And and you never want your bars
1: choosing you or your states of mind choosing you. Right. And You it, want to choose your state of mind. It wasn't like back in the day with Song at Delta where they operated a high margin or maybe not high margin, but specific leisure routes like New York down to South Florida that has a very specific clientele that may have higher expectations than flights operating elsewhere in the country and it was highly competitive. Here, it just didn't make any sense and the experience wasn't substantially different from Air France in many ways. Sure, the seats were upgraded because in the A340's case, they were some of the oldest seats operating anywhere with entertainment screens the size of like an iPhone. So in some cases it was a better experience than Air France mainline, but to, uh, within Europe it really wasn't substantially different
0: at all. Yeah, so I mean it's I can't say that I'm surprised to see this experiment ending, or I can't say that I'd be surprised if it ends, and and I hope it
1: does. I'm a little surprised it's it is potentially ending so quickly. There's that, but it was not well thought out. No. But we'll leave that there. Let's
0: take a quick break. Go get some pickled herring. We'll come back. We'll talk about old planes, new planes, and – well, we'll talk about old planes and new planes. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. How was your herring? Delicious. Excellent. I still don't know what it is, but – It doesn't matter. As long as it tastes good, you keep
1: eating it. Delicious. Yes. Last week, British Airways said goodbye to the seven six seven yep, yeah, they said goodbye to them internationally at least a couple of years ago now we we're replaced by the seven eight seven And now they are being replaced by the, I believe, the A321 Neos that are coming online. Which uh, came, the first one entered commercial service last week. Yes, it did. It's actually making the rounds all over Europe. It's doing like a a European tour, tour, like Budapest one day, Rome the next day, Milan the next day. So it's all over the place, not uh, on any consistent route. So don't try looking out for it if you're trying to book it. But yeah, it's kind of sad. People love that. That thing it did a lot of the shuttle flights between Heathrow and Manchester, I believe, and it was just change of pace from your A three hundred and twenty or A three hundred and nineteen that you're on over and over and over. And they were old and needed to be retired. But a lot of people are sad to see it go. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, it, any any time there's a piece of history, when you people get a little little misty
1: eyed about it. Uh, yeah, I'm fond of the seven six. I find yeah. it a, a very comfortable aircraft, and fortunately, in, in the United States, at least they're you, it's hard to avoid them in some cases, <laughs> so they're they're all over the place and aren't going anywhere in the, in the U.S. for quite a number of years. But in in Europe, they're endangered or almost even extinct. Almost, yeah. yeah. Who else in Europe even operates the seven six seven? Condor, Condor, uh, Tui, Yep. not that many. Air France does not. British Airways on the Open Skies side retired those somewhat recently, actually struggling to think of any Yeah, others. leisure and charter that's about it yeah oh so. Iceland there has a couple they do they do so yeah
0: i mean not uh none, none of the i guess legacy carriers no they're not extinct uh, but they're endangered they're they're going away quickly so if if you're after a 767 in Europe get it while well, you can
1: or just fly to the US on delta we have united plenty. or american yeah. well don't do american there there's are garbage but um <laughs> maybe stick to, stick to delta <laughs> or united that's that's fair I say that out of love. Yeah, I mean, sure, something like that. Something like that. No, no, no disrespect to American, but your seven sixes are disgusting. Well, I, to be fair to American, they know that. They know that, and they're they were supposed to have retired them relatively soon, but they decided, nah. Yeah, I mean, we can keep them limping along for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of diversions, and per day doesn't hurt. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Hey, let's – a tour of Philadelphia is always mm-hmm. exciting this yeah, time of year. There was that uh, American 7-6 a couple weeks ago or months ago at this point that departed JFK, diverted back to JFK. They got them a new 7-6, departed JFK, returned to JFK again, and then they just canceled the flight. Yeah.
0: So. I mean, at that point, you just you – know, Call it call a call day. Call it a day. Yeah. You know, China, the country. As opposed to – As opposed to any particular airline, mm-hmm. all of China received its 2,000th Boeing aircraft this week. Wow! So the whole country to, to all of all airline all commercial airlines in China, 2,000th Boeing aircraft. This this stat blew me away. Boeing's delivered 2,000 aircraft. The, the 2,000th went to Shenzhen Airlines, who 737 retired their last 757. There you go. So 2,000 Boeing airplanes to all of China. The first 1,000 deliveries took over 40 years. Wow! In the last five years they delivered another thousand airplanes. That's quick. So it's almost like the Chinese aviation market's growing. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That's, it just blew me away. So what got me thinking is, I wonder what those are for for different markets. Like, how long did it take in the U.S. market? How long would it take? You know, I guess Europe the market would be a single market there. And how many countries are not even near that? Right, exactly. So I mean, it was impressive to me, and, and just that, that just kind of blew me away. So their new seven three seven max eight, I believe, is sporting a special livery. So we'll we'll stick that in the show notes so that you can follow that one
1: around. That is a lot of airplanes. I would like to have that many airplanes. Yeah.
0: How long do you think it would take us to get that many airplanes?
1: Mm, we'd go bankrupt before. Four hundred years five hundred yeah. years. You know. we, nobody has enough time to count that many years. No. Oh I was right, it was Shaman. There you go. The seven five last the retirement. Um would be surprised if Delta doesn't snatch that up. There are some of the newest seven fives and Delta snatched up all their others. Oh well there you go. Yeah.
0: New life. Speaking of 737 MAX, Fiji got their first one. They did. I think it and just made its way to Nadi yesterday. It did. And you're here mm-hmm. and not there. I am. And that's true. This was a choice you
1: made. It was. So I, you know, y- you can't hold it against me. Not much. I mean, a little bit. But. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was a couple of years ago, I think 2012 or 2013, on uh, th- the delivery flight of their second A330 from Airbus. They invited me to be on the delivery flight from Honolulu to Nadi on their 737 MAX 8, their first, because it can uh, not make the trip nonstop from the US because it's not a long haul aircraft. But I love that livery on their aircraft. I don't know what your feelings are, but I think it's my favorite in the world.
0: Well, I don't know if it's my favorite in the world, but I do give them a lot of credit for... Having a livery that makes sense for the airline and for the culture and for who they are, because I feel like a lot of airlines they're, they're completely interchangeable. There's no identity. Like, and and I feel like this happens a lot in the Pacific where they really do a nice job with with the livery. I mean, like Air, Air Tahiti Nui, uh, Hawaiian. Yeah. I mean, they the airlines have a livery that makes sense. It's an identity. I mean. You can look at almost any airline in China and say that could be any airline. Right. You can look at airlines in the US these days and say, okay, I, I get it but there's not really like a strong identity outside of the airline. A lot of European carriers, they're it's inter- called I Euro White for a reason. Yeah, I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can spin, you know, logo placement however you want, but there's no. You could take the yellow out of your crane livery for some reason and call it. We put yellow placards next to the doors as welcome hands, or
1: I don't know. I, nobody knows. I'm shaking the, my I, head. I, you can't I just, see it, but I'm we'll, it. we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> just in, yeah, anyway. Yeah, but I like it. Yeah, I like and, it a lot. and I, I wish Fiji Airways the, the best of luck with their new aircraft. It looks quite nice on the inside compared to uh, their NGs that they're retiring. So new aircraft for an airline I know you love. Who? Mm-hmm. Tap.
0: Ooh, sore topic. I'll let you take this one. TAP took delivery of the the first and their first uh, A330-900 Neo this week. Finally. Finally. So we flew on the A330, the other one. You the I did, you oh that's right you didn't I wasn't there. you didn't fly on that one th- these things all run together mm-hmm. at some point but we did the route proving tour with the C S T U A what will be CSTUA TUB was the delivered aircraft right. this week they're still refitting the cabin on, on TUA right, I guess because, because damaged it right. so badly but yeah I mean I was just swinging from the, the overhead bins and, well, and you got to
1: test it make sure it supports absolutely monkey business like that yeah. exactly it's yeah. important.
0: But they got their first
1: A330 Neo
0: and announced service to uh, Chicago. Chicago and Dallas, I think. Yep. yep. So that's, I mean, something to look forward to if you're not you. Sure. And yeah. uh, still holding it. That happened in what, 1901? 1902, I think. Yeah. yeah. So Jason's holding a grudge for over 100 tw- years now.
1: 2013. I'm just waiting for an apology. That's all I need. I, I feel like it's not coming. Probably not coming. No. There, there are many organizational changes and, and corporate structures beyond that. But... Uh, Grudges die hard when you strand me in an airport overnight like a bunch of jerks.
0: <laughs> so if anyone from TAP is listening, uh, podcast at FR24.com.
1: <laughs> you can apologize to Jason and the grudge will be over. Yeah, because I, I, maybe I'd like to fly you again one day because anytime I do Google flight searches to Europe, you always come up stupidly cheap and you're always at the top of the list. Uh, I, maybe that's why. it's. I, I'm not going to get into it. All right. We'll yeah. leave that. There. Yeah, leave, leave, leave that one be.
0: Israeli investigators released a report last week detailing an incident that happened in March to an LL-787. And it's one of those things where the human error factor really kind of
1: changes how an airplane behaves. Yeah, <laughs> this is not so great. So I believe this was a takeoff weight error where the pilot who is still rather new to the 787 since LL at this time was brand new to the type, entered the wrong takeoff weight. He entered a zero fuel weight of 128 tons, which this flight global analysis says it is 40 tons lower than the actual figure of 168 tons. It then goes on to clarify that he realized this mistake, re-entered the fuel weight only to screw it up again. So when they tried taking off, it was responding very lazily, as Flight Global puts it, and the anti tail strike mechanism, I guess, activated, so there wasn't a tail strike, and it wasn't able to really rotate off the ground. It ended up really just kind of, I guess, pulling a wheelie on the runway until like, it could gain some speed and finally take off at a very shallow rate of ascent. So yeah, not not really great. It reached only 35 feet by some 13 seconds after rotation was initiated, which is not a lot. Yeah, so definitely something. What is
0: interesting to me is that they they talk about how the the first officer didn't cross check right the information because he entered it incorrectly. Twice. Right. Realized his error the first time and then went to re-enter it and re-entered the incorrect numbers
1: again. And apparently it wasn't realized until the aircraft reached 20,000 feet. And at that point, the flight management system recommended a cruise altitude of 38,000 rather than 34,000. Except at that stage of flight, it is not possible for that aircraft to reach 38,000 because it is still simply too heavy from all the fuel on board. Then they realized, oh, crap, something is is wrong. And then they realized their error with the incorrect takeoff weight.
0: What, what's interesting to me is that, that you can enter a takeoff weight that would be lower, or you, you can enter a zero-fuel weight that's, that's lower than possible.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know why the 787 with the, as much tech as there is packed into it wouldn't realize this error and prompt the pilots to fix it. But this is another one of those cases where... Disaster could have easily happened, but thankfully, due to almost dumb luck, it simply didn't. I mean, it, it goes to, to show you the resilience of the airplane. Yeah,
0: and a super long runway. And a super long runway. That does help. Yep. So speaking of 787s, do you want to buy one? A rather if nice ha- one. If you have the means, I highly recommend you pick one up. So if you do have the means – You probably don't. You probably don't. But if you do have the means, you can now purchase or or bid on or uh, inquire as to the price. Though if you have to ask, of course –
1: You can't afford it.
0: You can't afford it. Mexico inaugurated their new president within the last week. And one of his first orders of business was to get rid of the presidential 787. He said it was too opulent, said that it wasn't what he wanted, and it has been flown up to, I
1: believe, Mojave. Will rest until it is sold. Yeah, this was a very early build 787. I thought it was a terrible teen. It's not even a teen. It was the sixth 787 ever built not taken up by any airline because it just didn't have the range and capability a seven eight seven was supposed to have. Mexico bought it as it was a it fit them well. I guess they weren't ever going to operate this thing at a fully, in a fully you know fully loaded uh, configuration. It spent quite a while being configured in a VIP layout. I think in Kansas City. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. And the new president of Mexico, one of his campaign promises, one of two, was first sell the opulent 787, and the second was to cease construction of the new airport in Mexico City, which was a ridiculous campaign promise, and they went ahead and did it even though they've spent a lot of money on that and have completed about a third, but that's a different story for a different day. But apparently he's just going to fly commercially now, which doesn't seem efficient for the head of state of a major country.
0: His choice, his decision, and we're going to put our pennies together. And not buy a 787. Nope. I wonder if they're taking the interior out and selling it piece by piece or selling it as is. There's on their fit, the Mexican Facebook page <laughs> lists it as for sale, opulent, and semi-new. So I guess you can buy the whole thing. Sure. So if anybody gets their money together before Jason and I do, by all means, uh, have at it.
1: Then you do need to replace the uh, 757s that use it as Air Force Two, so perhaps.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I doubt it. We have a bit of business to take care of before we get to the end of the show, and it's an important bit of business, so let's calm down and let's do this. In a previous episode, we received some mail from listeners from Australia who felt that we weren't doing the city names justice and rightfully so because Jason is not Australian I'm not Australian but since we're here in Stockholm we have an Australian with us because when you think Australians you think to go to Stockholm, Stockholm right Stockholm, yeah so Galen here works for flight radar 24 and he is originally from Australia and now lives in Stockholm and we've asked him to do something extremely important. And that is correctly pronounced a word that we incorrectly pronounced in a previous episode. Galen, take it away. Ken's, Thank you, Galen. Shall we close out with a bit of rumor creation yeah, in the form of national celebration? A possible sign of things to come. Maybe. A possible sign of things to come. Yeah. I mean, if, if it happens – they already have the film for the celebration. That's right. Perfect. They have the film to to you know show their, their unity exactly. as, as one. So the United Arab Emirates celebrated its national day. And they've been celebrating all year the the year of uh, Zayed, which is the, the founder of, of the UAE. And so they've painted special liveries. And last few days ago, they celebrated their national day and had a… Hell of a flyover. Uh, Emirates A380 and Etsy had A380 a Fly Dubai 737 and an Al-Arabia A320, A320. plus the Al Fasan uh, jets yes. with the smoke and the colors. It was so – we'll was put a, the video in the show notes. It was great and they did the whole big fly past across basically the the whole coast of the UAE. So
1: um, Now they have some B-roll for when Eddie had, uh eventually gets rolled into Emirates and Eventually, when Fly Dubai gets rolled into Emirates, I don't know about Air uh, Arabia, but yeah, maybe, uh, maybe they could repurpose that video in a couple of years. Maybe it'll all work out. That rumor is always ongoing about Etihad's uh, demise. But yeah,
0: I mean, rumors of their demise seem premature, but yeah. we'll continue to. I mean, there are no Wow Air. They are no Wow Air. Enough. no, not, be... no purple, no oh. purple, not yet. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. They do have the the black and white, well, black and silver special livery. Eddie had the uh, new Formula One livery, which does look sharp.
1: Yeah, it replaces, I guess, their old a 340 in F1 livery, which yep. is pretty fantastic. So that's something to keep out for. And
0: we'll toss that in the show notes, too, because that's a, a, a good-looking plane. Jason, shall we go, I don't know, more pickled herring, or, or should we move on from there? I think we should go get some pickled herring. All right. Back to the pickled herring. I... M. Iam Pechnik here in Stockholm. In
1: person. In person. With the same microphone. Indeed. With Jason Rabinowitz. And thank you all for listening to this actually short podcast this week.